So at this point, it's no secret that diet culture and eating disorders are two things that I'm incredibly passionate about um, and two things that I see as very problematic um, in our culture. And so, of course, I like to write about these. I like to be as informative as possible, um, but I don't always feel like I'm incredibly effective when I'm sharing through words Um, like written words, so I thought I would try my hand at just doing some sort of podcast-ish thing, um, and see what happens. So, I've been, the last few days, listening to some pod, some other podcasts, and just doing some research on different studies, just to kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's, it is something that's important to me, so it's something that I spend a lot of my free time kind of working to better understand um because I think it is such a part of culture um this idea of dieting and wellness and quote-unquote health um has been so uh, I don't know just morphed and twisted and nobody really even knows what health means Um, And most of the things that people are doing on this quest for health um, is actually incredibly harmful um, in a multitude of ways, really. And so I just want to do my part to kind of share in that um, as much as I can. Obviously, I struggle still with kind of separating myself from this culture of dieting and this culture of viewing certain body types as more valuable than others, but it's something that I am actively working to challenge, both in my own mind, um, my own perception, and also just in general in the kind of greater social sense, because I know that I cannot be you know, challenging it on my social media and putting all of this information out there, um, but then not participating in any of that anti-diet culture in my own life. Um, But it is really difficult when I, you know, do experience an eating disorder. So, kind of doing research on it helps me to sort of stay in that mindset and to see, for me, seeing the the science and um, the research behind why it's better to not diet and better to sort of come back to a place of trusting your body. Um, I'm trying to make sure I'm giving myself the information to support that. Um, I often think about how simple eating used to be. Um, You know, when I was younger, I didn't... If I wanted, you know, a certain food, it it was not a passing thought of how it was going to affect my body or how... I was going to look to other people if I ate a certain thing versus, you know, eating something else versus not eating at all. I just, whatever I was hungry for, I ate. 
Um, and it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of additional thought. It was something that was social, that was, you know, you go to a gathering and there's, a, you know, say a birthday party and people are eating cake. It wasn't something that was like this monumental decision as to whether I wanted cake or, you know, another dessert or to eat chips or to eat this or that. It was just, am I hungry? Does cake sound good to me right now? If it does, okay, I'm gonna have some. If it doesn't, okay, not gonna have some right now, but I'll probably have some later. Um, or maybe not, you know? it. There wasn't a lot of intense sort of weighing every single positive or negative or analyze. It was just, it was simple. And it is so incredibly not simple anymore for me and I feel like that's becoming ever more present in the day-to-day lives of many people not just people with eating disorders but just people going about their lives because dieting is is so encouraged and valued and we view being able to diet as a sense of accomplishment, um, which it absolutely is not. We view it as this sense of self-control, but it really quickly becomes something that you feel gives you and makes you, you know, viewed as being in control. But the reality is the diet culture, that's what's in control. That is controlling us. We are being, we are absolutely being controlled by diet culture. Um, and nothing shows that more than the fact that we all feel like if we're not on a diet or not doing something to actively be altering our bodies, that we are failing and that we are getting behind. Um, so we're not in control. We, it's quite the opposite, I think, actually. Um, so anyway, the last few days I've been kind of going over the study by Jeffrey Hunger, who is a social psychologist and a researcher of weight stigma. So his study um, that he helped with, this took place in 2018, and it was basically looking at how um, social identity threat in non-romantic relationships impacts individuals. So Um, specifically regarding weight. So basically, social identity threat, um, it's kind of looking at stereotypes of groups and how those stereotypes um, of different groups or affiliations impact the actions um, of an individual. So... How does judgment and um, weight stigma impact a person who perceives themselves as fat or as, in this study, specifically as overweight? Um, So basically, in the study... There were 146 women, and they all had to 
self-identify as being overweight. And then they reported what their perceived weight and height were, and then their BMI was calculated from that, um, from those amounts that were given. So again, these were all self-perceived, how the women were viewing themselves. Um, And basically then they went through this sort of, there's a lot of a lot of information here and to try to scale it back and um, it's kind of a lot to go through. There were a lot of components of the study, um, a lot of things that they were sort of looking at, but basically in the end what the study sort of reiterated was that not only can outright very um, overt weight bias of a peer, um, not only can that lead to an anticipation of being rejected by an individual, but it can also lead to um, lessened social esteem, lower um, cognitive performance. So basically in this study, they had to do a three-minute word-finding sort of task And so the study found that actually when a person was perceiving that their peer had weight bias against fat people, against someone that was perceived as overweight, that they actually performed more poorly cognitively than someone who was less certain that they were potentially going to be rejected. And, you know, that's very significant. That's something that research has shown with eating disorders. Um, There's a reason that they say eating disorders, they take up a lot of time. Having an eating disorder is truly, it feels like a full-time job um, because your mind is so consistently wrapped around um, just navigating this, something that's supposed to be very simple, um, you know, eating, nourishing yourself. And suddenly that simple um, task that we are, you know, grow up doing that just sort of begins as this probably pretty simple um, and natural thing it somehow becomes something that we are so caught up in worrying about and tweaking and adjusting and questioning and, you know, pretty soon it takes up all of your time. And that's certainly true for for an individual with an eating disorder, but it's becoming more and more true for individuals that participate in yo-yo dieting who have disordered eating patterns but not a dis- uh, an eating disorder um it's incredibly dangerous and something that most people aren't even aware is happening because it is so common and honestly encouraged um so Anyway, the study basically 
found that not only are all of these things shown when there is overt weight bias, meaning the person straight up knows that the other person that they're interacting with has bias against them, against an affiliation or um, something that they consider themselves a part of. So in this case, the participant self um, acknowledged themselves as being overweight. Um, And so that's how they're perceiving themselves. And so when they thought that the person they were with, that they were interacting with, had bias against them, then they were showing this these symptoms. But not only if they outright knew it, but also if they just merely anticipated that the person that they were interacting with had bias towards fat people, they also experienced those same changes. So... How does this apply to kind of day-to-day life? How does this apply to you or to me? Um, Well, it really got me thinking about how people talk about their diets um, and their relationships with food on social media. So people love talking about their diets and the weight that they're losing or the muscle they're building or this or that or how they're on this quest to be healthier and that they've been bad and neglecting their, um, you know, their diet. They haven't been eating right. They've been, you know, letting loose a little bit more and how they're, you know, ready to get back on and, you know, get back into this self-control and get that, I don't know, this, to get their worth back through their diet. And you see that all the time. And it made me kind of realize how dangerous that is for other people. It is, because you're talking about how your diet Um, and your experience with food, and in doing that, you're sort of inherently taking a stance on how you value different types of bodies. So, and this was also something that when I was in treatment, they sort of asked us and challenged our sort of thought process on. Um, So basically, they asked us whether we would treat or view others' bodies in the way that we would our own. Um, And of course, all of us were like, well, no, you know, we don't think less of someone who looks different or who we perceive as weighing more or whatever, um... But then they kind of called us on our bluff and they were like, okay, so either you're being incredibly selfish in assuming that your body, for whatever reason, needs to be held to a higher standard than everyone else's. Because if you're saying my body needs to be 
smaller or change, you know, proportions need to be changed or this needs to change or that needs to change. If you're saying all of these about yourself, but you don't feel that anybody else has to do it or has to have a body that looks like that, well, what makes you so special? What makes your body need to be held to these higher standards? And we honestly couldn't really give an answer. And they said, okay, well, if it's not that, then maybe you aren't being so honest with yourself about how you perceive bodies. And maybe you aren't being honest with yourself about how you judge other people. And that has really stuck with me since then because I never considered myself someone who valued a certain type of body. It was very much something that I felt was just me. It was something about my body. But kind of having myself challenged um, in that way, it made me realize that I'm not immune to having bias just because I have an eating disorder. If anything, it maybe makes me have more bias against certain body sizes and body types because I am so often focused on how my body looks and comparing myself to other people and how their body looks. And if I was being honest with myself, I had to admit that I had these preconceived ideas. They are something that I've developed over years and years of being a participant in diet culture. I mean, from the time I was a child, I remember seeing so many women in my life practicing diets. Um, And I even practiced them. So I was taught from a young age, as so many of us are, that it's normal and it's it's a good thing to want to achieve this this thinner body and take up less space and to value yourself when you're working hard for this physical change and so it's really difficult now as someone who does have this sort of awareness of how dangerous diet culture is and yet to still be here having my own preconceived and having to kind of consistently be calling my own bluffs because they're still there. I, I, I did still grow up in diet culture. Diet culture is still very much surrounding me, surrounding all of us. And it's really hard to get out of because, you know, as someone who goes through every single day trying to sort of combat my own thoughts that encourage me to, you know, give in to my eating disorder. I'm not only having to sort of combat those, but also all the encouragement of everyone else around me, whether I know them personally or not. Because 
people are so oblivious to kind of how ingrained dieting is that even though they are fully aware of, you know, say, my having an eating disorder, I will still get comments on my weight or what I'm eating or how much I'm eating or, you know, how much I'm exercising. And it's it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly exhausting because I can be having a great day in my own mind. I can be doing really well combining, combating my own thoughts. And then I have one interaction with someone who asks if I've lost weight. Or maybe it's when I'm working and someone comes in and says, oh, I'm going to be bad today and buy this cookie. Okay, well, that really doesn't have anything to do with me, but by this person calling food bad, it kind of brings me to question it all over again, even though I know enough to know that 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 cookie is not bad calories are energy and that they're important and that the last thing I want to do is go back to being scared of living and of eating but yet this woman that I don't even know comes in and calls a cookie bad and suddenly it feels like everything every bit of logic and research and all of these things that I spend so much time looking into just fall, they just fade and they're nowhere and it's like I'm starting all over. And that's not true. That's not, it's, I'm not starting all over, but it's really exhausting when that, you know, that happens countless times a day because most people in our culture don't see the issue with dieting because it's just what they know and it's very frustrating once you start kind of seeing diet culture for what it is you cannot see you can't unsee it it's everywhere and it's really scary to see people in your life in your lives like participating in it And it's really frustrating because I feel like no matter how much I speak against diet culture and do my best to share research because I know that me just saying, hey, don't diet, that's, I don't want to control. I don't want to make decisions for anyone else. But what I can do is share research share information. I can share my experience. Um, and I do. I do that because I hope that in doing so, I'm offering something that diet culture isn't. Um, I hope that my words, my story, um, and the experiences of other people and science, um, I hope that that will provide something um, 
a freedom that diet culture doesn't because I mean it's it's really hard it's hard watching people go through this it's hard going through this myself and feeling like as much as you know people try to support me and you know my difficulty at the same point I'm watching them also view their body as not good enough and it's like how much can I trust your words encouraging my recovery when I'm watching you sort of not value your own body as it is there's a big you know dissonance there um and it makes it really hard to trust other people to trust myself to trust my body to trust recovery um it makes it really difficult and so I just want to do everything that I can to share the information that I have um because I don't think there's until you start looking for it it's not really readily there because diet culture is readily there and that floods everything um so I hope I think I'm going to try to do these kind of podcast things where I'm just rambling to you and hopefully hopefully helping do something positive um but the reality is my experience is not unique um I have an eating disorder I'm in recovery sometimes it doesn't even feel like it feels like I have been in the same spot for ever um which is again not the reality but I just for anyone that is actively participating in diet culture which is actually most of us but specifically those who are um knee deep in a diet right now um please just try and remember that when you restrict um your eating it is only going to sort of increase the obsession with food it becomes all that you think about because you're you're not listening to your body um you're not listening to your body telling you that you're hungry and your body biologically it worries that it's never going when you're starving it it worries that it's not going to get to eat again so that's why in eating disorders you so often see restriction eventually becoming binge eating or you know anorexia becoming binge eating disorder and it's because your body will restrict and restrict and restrict and then at some point it it just cannot 
that biological need to feed the body overpowers. Because, I mean, basically in dieting, we are creating this sense of famine in our bodies. We have evolved to this point through experiencing, as humans, experiencing famine and these times of fearing that there would not be food to eat. And we're taking that experience and we have made it this idealized idea. That was horrible wording, but we have just put this diet mentality on a pedestal and it is really just creating a famine, creating this lack in our own bodies and it's very dangerous and that's why oftentimes when people ease off of a restrictive diet, they sort of swing to the other side and begin feeling like they're out of control and they're eating. So whatever foods they were kind of avoiding in restriction, oftentimes they will see that urge and those cravings for the foods that they were avoiding rev up and then they feel very out of control and so then they resort back to restriction again and it perpetuates this yo-yo dieting cycle which is so problematic and that's why diet culture can survive because it, it feeds off of itself it feeds off of that cycle once you lose that ability to trust your own body and your own self um it just sort of all spirals but once you get that trust back in your body you will eventually come to a place of balance but when you've spent so much time dieting it will take a while because you've kept your body from these things that you you know enjoy eating that you crave and so of course when suddenly you allow yourself to have those Yes, of course that's what you want. That's what your body needs because, you know, if you were severely restricting your fat intake or your carb intake, of course that's what your body is going to crave. Your body is telling you, look, I need these things because you haven't been giving them to me. And I was worried that I was not ever going to have them again. So, and because again of the biological, you know, way that we operate the tendency to kind of crave carb-dense things is because carbs are, they are the fastest source of energy for us to sort of process through. So when our bodies are like, crap, I'm not getting any food, I'm, I need something, I need to make sure that I have this energy to just get through this day, well, the easiest way for it and the fastest, most efficient way for it to do that is to have carbohydrates. And so that's why we crave them. But diet culture tells us that carbohydrates are really bad and foods that have a lot of carbs are really bad. So then, since we have also gotten to this place of attaching morality to foods, then we view ourselves as really bad. Which, of course, does not help our sort of stigma and bias and all of these things um, that sort of I've been talking about for the last 31 minutes. Um, 
so yeah, just be really mindful of of that. I know diets feel really empowering um, at first, and you're like, wow, this is working. I feel great. I this is really changing my life. But is the diet is the diet changing your life or or do you just feel like you're adhering to sort of these social expectations which just makes life feel a little easier temporarily because I mean if you feel like socially your body is more accepted well then you're going to have less of this anticipated rejection this anticipated stigma so you're going to kind of feel like things are better. Um, but that doesn't last. Diets do not work in the long term. They're very dangerous in the long term. And that is what research shows. Um, so I guess I will cap this episode. I don't know. I don't know. But I'll end this here. Um, And, again, the sort of study that I kind of briefly touched on today was Jeffrey Hunger in 2018. Um, There's a way I'll try to attach a link um, with this of the study itself if you wanted to look more in-depth at it. um, Because it gives all the information of the study and all the specifics. Um, But... I hope this was helpful. Um, I hope that at least it's helping you to kind of question your motivation for for dieting or for wellness or quote-unquote health or lifestyle changes, whatever you want to call them. Um, They are are all diets. Um, They just have, we've given them new names because dieting is starting to get a bad rep sometimes so there's now new terms um but they're all still diets so just just be cognizant try to be aware and to question because that's what that's what I'm doing I'm questioning I don't I don't know I'm doing research I'm using my own experience and I'm using the experiences of others and I'm trying to let that guide me to question Things that I've just taken as normal and as reality. Um, And I hope that you can do the same. But anyway, I hope you have a great day, sunflowers, and thank you for listening.